Now, today, we're going to begin a series of messages that will take us probably a couple of months, and that's long for me. Usually, my, my uh, teaching series are usually four to six weeks, because I figure that's about the, the length of our attention span, or uh, at least mine, anyway. But this subject deserves uh, not to be rushed, and so we're going to spend some time here talking about, over the next several weeks, the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Jesus meant for you and me to have a life of faith that is fueled by, that is empowered by, the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is not a philosophy, it's not a theology, it's not a set of rules and regulations, it's not self-help, it's, it's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit impacting a person's life and transforming them and the world around them. That's what Jesus meant for it to be. And so many um, believers live a life uh, uh, in the, uh, you know, they live a life of faith that's far less than the magnitude of what God meant for it to be like. And so we're going to be talking about these things over the next few weeks. You know, sometimes I think that Christians uh, uh, behave this way or, or seem to have an expectation about the Christian life this way. It's as though God has given you a Ferrari and you, you won't fill it with gas. And so you're pushing this, this machine around town and it's looking good, <laughs> but it's kind of hard. I've heard people, I've heard Christians say, man, this Christian life, this is hard. Well, of course. Fill the tank with gas and find, this, find what this baby was made for. <laughs> Jesus meant for us to find life in the Spirit fueled by the power of God, not human effort. And so we're going to be talking about those things this week and how we can experience the fullness of the, spirit, of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to make our way through the book of Acts. It's not going to be a verse-by-verse -verse study, but we're going to make our way through most of the book of Acts and using, and let me just say that the book of Acts is short, as I said earlier, for the Acts of the Apostles. And what the book of Acts is, is the record of uh, the birth and expansion of the church. After Jesus rose from the dead and commissioned his disciples to take the good news of the gospel to the whole world, we watch through the book of Acts as that unfolds. And it's an amazing story. I mean, when you read here, people get healed. They get raised from the dead. This one guy named Philip, I mean, he's just a guy. He's not some sort of highfalutin apostle. You know, he's just a guy. Philip, you ever seen Star Trek and how they transport people? <laughs> Philip got transported just like that. I mean, it's in the book of Acts. This guy experienced that. I mean, it's an amazing book. And those early believers, those guys who were engaged in raw, unadulterated Christianity, primitive Christianity, experienced a level of power that most of us do not. And when I read the book of Acts, I often think, man, I wish my life of faith looked more like that. Well, it can, dear ones. It can. And it's meant to be like that. And so let's come to this book and let's make our way through it and let's see how the Holy Spirit 
changed everything. How he invaded the world through these guys and, and brought explosive impact with the gospel. And we're, as we do that, we're also going to be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are enumerated for us there, because those things go hand in hand. A relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit and His gifts. And sometimes people have odd ideas about what the gifts of the Spirit uh, mean, what they're, what they're for, how you access them, how you, how you uh, move in them. Um, we're going to try to uh, have the, whole, the Lord, by His Spirit, bring clarity to a lot of that. Because you need and I need to be fully equipped in the Spirit. And he, Jesus has made provision for that. There is nothing in life that you could confront that He hasn't given you by the gifts of His Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to, to wade into with triumph and victory and, and life-changing um, results. Now let me give you just an ex a simple example Okay, I want to talk to you for a minute about uh, a gift, the word of wisdom. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, and healings. Now you repeat. No. <laughs> There's nine gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to talk about them all. One of them, word of wisdom, not often discussed, not often considered, and yet, oh man, how much we need it. A little piece, that's what that means, a word, a little piece of God's wisdom would be so nice right about now. You ever had that feeling? Dear God, please show me what to do here. Just a little bit of your wisdom would be so helpful right now. Well, we, have a, we don't have a stingy God who's withholding. We have a God who's ready, willing to pour his spirit and his gifts into our lives and circumstances if we'll welcome it, if we'll be available to it. So I want to tell you, I've been for you know, a very long time now, I've been attempting to follow the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was a young man in my teens, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'd already been a believer, but I, didn't, uh, I wasn't experiencing the fullness of the Spirit. I did at a point in time, and since then, I've been learning how to live in, the, in that powerful, amazing flow of the Holy Spirit. And it changes everything. And your life starts to be more supernatural, it starts to be more um, amazing. And I want to just share this little story with you because it comes out of a very kind of mundane, everyday sort of experience and yet was profound and supernatural. Because this thing of supernatural means that it's supernatural. Not weird, not magical, not mystical, not for somebody else. Supernatural. This is the way it's supposed to be. Jesus said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who will give freely. So, Sue and I were, this was almost 10 years ago, Sue and I were uh, asked to consider uh, becoming the pastors of this small, uh, what was a small church at that time. And we, we at first, we, be honest with you, we said to uh, the supervisor, they, there's no way we're doing that. Well, maybe we'll go for a year, but that, but, the, but we showed up, and that handful of people that was meeting at the hotel over there by the, it wasn't uh, whatever it is now, it was a Holiday Inn, I think, over there by Discovery Kingdom, um, that little group of people won our hearts, and we knew that the Lord wanted us to be here. So we uh, began to uh, make the 
transition from where we were living in San Jose and pastoring a church to, to come here. And if you've ever moved in your life, you know that's not a small thing. And it's my least favorite thing in all the world is to move. Oh, I hate it. But, I, you know, there's no way I'm going to pastor a church in Vallejo from San Jose, right? So we're moving. And um, we began to look for a, a home to purchase. And Ramona Segari, uh, one of the members of our congregation, was a real estate agent at that time. She helped us or was helping us try to find a place up here. And um, she, one day after service, asked us to go check out uh, some homes that were being built on Mare Island. So we did. And she took us there by way of the Mare Island Causeway, which is at the foot of Tennessee Street. And so we went there and uh, checked it out. And I could tell my wife was like, ooh. <laughs> and me, I'm like, oh, no. Because I, I wanted us to downsize. And this place was twice what we had in San Jose. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. this is a little bitty church that's never supported a pastor ever. I'm going to quit my job. How are we going to do this? And so, you know, I was not real happy about that. But anyway, to make a long story short, the Lord took us through this process of, of saying, we, we told the people, because they were, tr they were working really hard to sell these. They had two homes left before they could develop another section of their, their development there. They were working really hard to sell us on this thing. And we just told them, you know, don't even talk to us for a week. We got to just pray about this. Don't even talk to us. But uh, then when we came back to them, we said, okay, we'll consider it if, and we told them some things they needed to, to add into the deal. Uh, they came back to us and said, okay, we'll do that. And then we said, no, we still, because we just couldn't. I mean, it's so, if you, you've done this, buying a house is hard, man. It's so much money. There's so many papers to sign. It's just, and I didn't want to, oh. And I was praying the whole time, God, right now, a little bit of your wisdom would go a long way. And I specifically said, God, give me a sign. Any of you ever prayed that? God, give me a sign. Part the heavens. Show me something. You're laughing because you do that, right? <laughs> God, give me a sign. No sign came. No booming voice out of the heavens. And I was torn up inside. I was tied up in knots over this decision. And finally, we just pulled the trigger and said, okay, I have no idea how this is going to happen, but we're going off the cliff. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Signed all the papers. And, and uh, I was coming up during the week from San Jose and working out of the building that we were renting over on Mini Drive in, in Vallejo. You, some of you will remember that. That's where our church met for a long time. And um, so at the end of the day, I was heading home to San Jose <clears throat> and thought, well, you know what? I'm going to drive by this house we just bought <laughs> and see what we got. So I'd really only been there a couple of times. They were actually in the process of constructing it. And uh, the two or three times that I had been there before, I'd always gone by the same route, by uh, the Mare Island Causeway from, from Tennessee Street, but there is another way to get on the island, and most of you would be familiar, from Highway 37 over the Mare Island Bridge. I'd never gone that way before, so you got to know this. I'd never been that way before. So this day, I got on the freeway there at that intersection, which looks just like this, and there's a sign, a sign that says Randy Bolt Memorial Highway. You go over that bridge to my house. 
the Randy Bolt Memorial Highway goes to my house. Now, I have learned... I have learned that when you pray for a sign, it's not that God is, you know, is unwilling to do that, but he is unwilling to uh, guide you by signs. He will confirm by signs in most cases because if, he, because if guidance is by signs, there's no faith involved. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says in the Bible. So anyway, I'm grateful for that. But this is just one little thing, one little thing about how life can become so amazing and supernatural when we just start to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives and expect more than we're expecting most of the time. God is ready. He is ready. So let's talk about these things together. And I've asked you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to begin reading at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So Jesus has risen from the dead. He's assembled with the, the disciples. And he says to them to wait in Jerusalem before, what, what's the waiting for? The waiting is for the promise of the Father. And that's a phrase that means the Holy Spirit. That Jesus has used this before with his disciples and made it clear to them that's what he's talking about. It's not mysterious. Wait for the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me. Why wait? Because he had given them an assignment there was no possibility of them to fulfill without the power of the Holy Spirit. He said to them, take this gospel and go to the whole world and preach the gospel. There's no way these fishermen and tax collectors could have ever done that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. So he said, wait here in Jerusalem. Verse 5, for John, John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, some of you know, right out here in this tank in the, in the patio, we dunk people, baptizing them in water as a sign of their commitment to Jesus when they become followers of Christ. They go under the water. They're immersed in that water. Jesus said, that John the Baptist baptized in water, but you, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Those geographic locations don't mean a lot to us, but he was saying to them, you guys are going to, it's going to be like an explosion and the rippling effects of that power released. He said that you will receive power. That word power in the English Bible is translated from a Greek word, meaning that the Greek word is dunamis, and it means a powerful explosion. We get our word dynamite from it. This is not a small thing. He's saying something's going to happen to you in a few days that's going to be so powerful that the ripple effects of it will touch Jerusalem where you are, Judea, the county that Jerusalem is in, Samaria, the next county over, and the whole world. That's what Jesus meant for the, the Christian life to be like. Turn now with me to John, just one book before, the book before Acts, so you're close, you're in the neighborhood, and chapter 16. John, chapter 16. We're going to start reading uh, at verse 5, and I want to answer three questions this morning. Who is the Holy Spirit? Where is he, and what is he up to? So here we go. 
verse 5, Jesus is speaking. He says, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me where you're going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So he's making it clear to his disciples, look, my time with you is coming to an end. And he'd been very clear with them. I'm going to be crucified. It was not, this was not a, intended to be a surprise. They didn't want to hear that. And he says to them, I'm telling you, I'm going away, and you're not even asking me where I'm going. You're just sad that I'm going. You're not thinking about what the reason behind it. He says in verse um, <clears throat> 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus in this passage was telling his disciples about who the Holy Spirit is and what his role is in the world. So let's, let's take a little closer look before I let you go today. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's not the force of Star Wars. As much as I'm a fan of Star Wars, the Holy Spirit is not some sort of mystical force that binds the universe together. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, I don't want to get off onto the subject of the Trinity to the, this morning because there's really no end to that discussion. The Trinity, the, the truth of the, that we have a triune God, one God that is three persons, is beyond human comprehension. Nobody. I don't care how, what they claim, no one can explain that. Because we don't have anything in this world that's like that. Nothing to compare it to. I cannot say to you that the, tri the Trinity of God is like this. Because if I said it's like this, I would be uh, um, devaluing the Trinity of God. There's nothing like it. We don't have anything in human experience like that. So let's just settle that for right now. We believe in a triune God that we cannot comprehend. And you wouldn't want a God that you, was so small you could comprehend him. Our God is beyond comprehension. Three persons in one. Those three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are coexistent, co-equal, and co-eternal. They have always been one. Always will be one. Okay, that's enough of that. My brain's already hurting. But the Holy Spirit is God. God. Sometimes we tend to relegate the work of the Holy Spirit to some smaller place in our understanding of God. He's God. He's God. Where is he? The Bible says that he is with us. He's at work in the world around us. You can't be somewhere the Holy Spirit is not, except hell. Nobody go there, please. Don't go there. 
The Holy Spirit is everywhere. Thank God. For all, all time, he has always been at work in the creation of God. The Bible also says that he can be in us. When I give my life to Christ, when I come to that point where I surrender all that I am to his lordship and receive his forgiveness, when I cross the boundary from doubt into faith and become a follower of Jesus, when I am saved, however you want to describe that conversion experience, when that happens, God, the Holy Spirit, becomes a resident in your life. He he, he, God is poured into you. Not that you become God, don't get me wrong, but the full power of the Almighty is available to you. That's why the Bible says that we are, the believers are temples of the Holy Spirit. We house the Holy Spirit. That'll change the way you treat your body. That'll change how you think about things, the stuff you expose your soul to. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. But he didn't leave it there. We read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not only is the Holy Spirit with us, can be in us, but wants to be upon us, overflowing us. Now these simple prepositions, with, in, and upon, are ex- they're important. They're important for our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our lives. Years ago, I used to do a lot of woodworking, try to make a living one time. I failed at it, but tried to make a living at at cabinet making and that sort of thing. Nonetheless, I loved it. I still, I don't have time much to do it anymore. But you can't work with wood without getting sawdust on you. It's impossible. Now, I'm I'm a neatnik. And uh, if there was a way to do it uh, cleanly, I I would have found it. There isn't. If you want to have a sterile relationship with the Holy Spirit where you don't get any of him on you, good luck with that. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you're going to get some of him on you. And you want that. I want the Holy Spirit poured out on me, in me, everywhere I am. I want to be dunked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said we could have that. That's what he wants for us. In fact, he said, if you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's what he wants. So where is he? He's with us. He can be in us if we invite Jesus to be Lord of our lives and he wants to be upon us as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And over the weeks to come, we're going to talk about what that means to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. All those terms are synonymous. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that. But let's go a little further with this discussion about uh, who is the Holy Spirit, where is he, and finally I want to talk to you about what is his role because that's part of what Jesus described in this passage. What is his role? First of all, he said that his role is comforting. Comforting. He, he named him comforter, the helper. That word I said when we read it in verse 7, the helper won't come if I... He said I, the Holy Spirit, the, the helper won't come if I uh, don't depart. And that word helper is in the Greek parakletos, 
which means the one who comes alongside to help. A, a, an appropriate uh, translation would be comforter. How many of you are ever needed to be comforted? We have the Holy Spirit who comforts. And his comfort is so deep, so rich, so securing that you can, find, you can make your way through any of the junk that life throws at you because of the comfort of the Holy Spirit that holds me so securely with empathy, with encouragement, and with exhortation. He also said in verse 8 that the Holy Spirit is, uh, is convincing. His, his part of his work, his role is convincing us of three things, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He said of sin because they don't believe in me. You know what? When that day when you came to the point where you recognized you were a sinner separated from God and needed a Savior, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. Not some preacher, not some friend. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm grateful, and you should be too, that I don't have to convince people of sin. The Holy Spirit, that's His job, and He does it well. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convincing me of my need for Jesus. He says that he convinces us of righteousness. Jesus said, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Why is that important? Well, we don't have Jesus in physical form with us anymore to watch what he does. And he says, look, guys, what I'm doing, this is right. This is righteous. This is how to do it. We don't have him modeling righteous living before our eyes in a physical person. So we have the Holy Spirit who convinces us of righteousness. You know that little voice that says, don't do that. <laughs> or do this that's the Holy Spirit guiding us in righteousness it also says here that his role is com uh, communicating communicating three things the word of Jesus he says he will take of mine and give it to you he will lead you guide you into all truth have you ever opened the Bible and started to read and go let me try it this way you know, and sometimes, look, I'll admit, sometimes the Bible can seem like a closed book until the Holy Spirit opens it up. <laughs> and then it's like, you got to be kidding me. You ever had that experience? You're reading along and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know, it's like it just jumps off the page and you can see it on a billboard and you go, oh. That's the Holy Spirit communicating, taking the words of Jesus and communicating to us. It says that he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit communicates the will of Jesus to us, the things that he's doing in our lives, the direction that he wants to go, wants to lead us. And it also says that he communicates the wonder of Jesus. Verse 14 says, he will glorify me. In those times when you're worshiping the Lord, when, well, earlier this morning when we were, Dave was leading us in vocal worship, we were singing songs to Jesus. I don't know about you, but there came a point when I just, I found myself uh, ca captured, caught away with the realization of the magnificence of my Savior. That moment was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit who glorifies Jesus, communicates the glory of Jesus to me. And then we read in Acts chapter 8, chapter 1, verse 8, that he, uh, his role is capacitating. He's the one who empowers us enables us to live the Christian life, to serve Jesus fully, to experience the miraculous and amazing life that he intended for us to, to, 
to have. Look, you're in John chapter 16. Turn the page back to John chapter 14 and let me read to you verse 12. John 14, verse 12. It says there, Most assuredly, Jesus is speaking, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that he will do, excuse me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Remember Jesus said, I've got to go so the Holy Spirit can come, that he can be released among you. And when he does, Jesus said, greater works than I have done will you do. Now that, let's just be honest, that's hard to accept. I mean, Jesus raised people from the dead. How does it get greater than that? Well, I'm not sure, but I know this. I think that at least Jesus was talking about the fact that, that this kind of miraculous power ministry that he put on display would no longer be confined to one geographic location, one person. Imagine that power released through multitudes of believers all over the earth. Now that's greater. And I think that's just what, that's what Jesus was pointing to. Let, the, let your heart begin to rise with renewed or for the first time an expectation that God could do that with you. Greater works than these will you do because he went to the Father and released the Holy Spirit among us. Now, as I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk more specifically about how to receive the infilling and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life and how to experience, how to cooperate with the gifts of the Spirit. Um, but let me just say this in closing. This may be old territory for some of you, but for others it may be new. And I want to make sure that you understand that this is not something to be anxious about or nervous about, okay? Weird things are not going to happen. Unexpected things might, but weird things are not going to happen. As we open up to the power of the Holy Spirit, powerful things might happen, but not goofy or weird things, things to be feared, things to be welcomed as the Holy Spirit begins to move, as he begins to transform us from just being people who attend church services to people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. But we didn't read in, in Luke chapter 24 where um, the, the physician Luke was writing and he was quoting Jesus who said, he used this word when Jesus was talking about how af after he departed, he said, you will be endued with power from on high. That word endued means clothed with. And if you have a, a favorite pair of jeans or something like that, you know, you just worn them in, they're just right. You know, they fit all the bulges and stuff just right. <laughs> you know that pair of jeans you can't replace, you know? Because you know if you go out and try to get another one, it's going to feel stiff and tight. It's not going to fit just, you know. The one that fits you Jesus, that word endued, which means clothed with, also means it has the connotation of sinking into, sinking into something prepared for you. It's like sinking into a garment that fits you. This is not anything you need to be nervous about or fearful about. This is what you were meant for.
This is recording number 11194 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, January 3, 2016. This is the first message in a series titled, Empower the Spirit-Filled Life. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Power Source.